think uh, a god follows me on social media because uh, the other day I was ranting and raving about how, how hot the weather was. And so he, he answered my prayer and uh, gave us cooler weather today. Amen? Amen. I'd like to invite everyone to please stand with us as we, as we praise God through music. We'll warm up our voices, warm up our bodies, and praise God.
guys were blessed by Vespers last night. Amen. Amen. This is one of the songs that we sang last night. There's no other name. Your power wakes the dead 
Now Elijah the Thisbite from Thisbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Verse 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward and hide in Kirith Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I will have directed the ravines to supply you with food there, the ravens, ravens to supply you with the food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kirith Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. 
The ravens brought him bread and meats in the morning, and bread and meats in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Let us bow our heads for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. It's on. It's on. Is it still connected to the one lap from last night? No? Check. 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 Not working. Okay. Can you hear me? Okay, we're good. Welcome to Loma Linda, Canada. So cold this morning. Before we start, um, just a few announcements. Um, I want to re-emphasize this today, okay? Today, um, campus ministry, we're going to go hiking. It's going to be beautiful. The weather is going to be perfect. So everyone show up by 3.30, right? Holda Crooks Park. If you don't know where that is. Yeah, it's in Loma Linda. Um, and after that, we're going to have a beautiful, epic dinner. So please come and show up. Um, just um, a few announcements. Um, for, for those of you who want to know what's going on in campus ministry, because we really care for our students, um, you can follow us on Instagram. We have an Instagram account. We also have a Facebook page. So you can find us. If you want to get our church e- uh, announcement every week, um, please go to our Facebook or our um, website. If you're still into websites, we still have it. Um, you can register your email, and you'll get our weekly email. Um, did you guys watch the Super Bowl last Sunday? How many of you guys watched the Super Bowl last Sunday? Okay, a lot of you. Yeah, it is unfortunate that um, the Patriots did not win. No, it really is. It's unfortunate, isn't it? Um, But you know what people are saying? People are saying that um, still, Bill Belichick will still go down as one of the best coaches ever in NFL, if not the best. Who do you think is, is or, well, is the best coach ever in the NFL? Does anyone have any? <laughs> okay, check. Okay. Any idea or any guesses? Eagles fan. Lombard, okay, all right. Good guesses. Um, there's a man. No, there, there, there's a point to this. There's a man, I think, who I think is the best coach the NFL has ever seen. His name is Tom Landry. Josh, you like that? Tom Landry, yeah. 
most NFL football coaches are not known for their long-term tenure. You know, the coaches are not allowed to stay long enough to prove themselves winners. Greed, self-centered hype, and the public insatiable hunger for immediate gratification undermine the patience that is needed to build a strong and healthy team. So one of the NFL coaches has once said, there are two kinds of coaches, okay, in NFL. There are two kinds of coaches. Those that's been fired and those that's going to be fired. But Coach Tom Landry, he coached Dallas Cowboys for 29 years, 29 consecutive years. He had 20, 20 years of a winning season with the team, which, which is almost impossible to do in the, in the NFL. He had won two Super Bowls and five NFC championships. He is a legend. But, you know, that's not why I, I want to talk about this. I don't want to talk about football. There is a point. It's not only Tom Landry's football career that impresses me. It's his life off the field that separates him from all other coaches. He served on the board of incorporate members at Dallas Theological Seminary. What what, what it means is that he was uh, a board member of a pastor's, pastor's school. Through some of his best years and some of his worst years, he faithfully sat in that board to help the school. You know, the way people remember, check, oh, okay. Okay, that's better. Is it better? All right. It's kind of throwing me off, man. (laughs) So the people um, admired him from, from distance as a football coach. But the people who knew him up close and personal loved and respected him. Great in integrity, great in generosity, great in determination, great in priorities because he used to say that God first, family second, and football third. He was a man of God. The people who really knew him up close and personal knew him as a man of God. You know, we long to find an authentic man or woman of God. People who, when closely examined, are actually better than we expected. Such unique individuals stand alone in the gap. Nothing moves them. They're not intimidated by opposition they face. They're not afraid of the challenge that they face. You know, Elijah was like that. A man of God. He became a legend. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful Sabbath and beautiful church. Now, as we open the Bible, open our hearts also. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Today, we are starting a new series, a seven-week series on Elijah, a man of God. So please turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my words. Elijah came out of nowhere. He is a Tishbite. It simply means he's from a town called Tishbe. Now, where's Tishbe? Nobody can locate where Tishbe is. People know where Gilead is, but nobody knows this town called Tishbe. So pretty much, literally, he came out of nowhere. He came from nowhere. He came out of this insignificant place, but he would make such a significant contribution to God's plan for his people. In order for us to truly understand Elijah and this series that we're going to do, it is vital that we know the historical background of the times in which Elijah lived. Okay, Once we see the context of his life, we can begin to appreciate the strength of this unique man of God who is so ruggedly shaped by God to meet the rigors of his day. Okay? I mean, we know. We know kings like Saul, David, and Solomon. We know them. But everyone else is kind of confusing. You know what I mean? Like when you look at the Bible, like all these names that you can't pronounce, um, such as Tilgath Pildenereser and Barodesh Beledin N. These are actually names of the kings that are written in the Old Testament. And they reign for like 20 years or 27 years or like 37 years, very random numbers all over the place. And it, sometimes look at it, you're like, there are like two kings, it seems like, because somebody's reigning over, but somebody's reigning over there. Like, what is going on? And the Bible says some are good, some are wicked, and they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. It's kind of confusing. So here it is. Let me clarify for you today, okay? Let me clarify for you. At the end of King Solomon, a civil war broke out in the kingdom. And the kingdom became two nations, the north and the south. Does that sound familiar? Yes. Just like Korea they were divided into north and the south. And we call the, the northern kingdom northern Israel and the southern kingdom southern Judah. Okay? So they were divided. Then the story gets even more interesting because the southern kingdom had 17 kings and about eight of them were good. But then the north, man, from the beginning of that division for about 200 years. How many years? 200 years. Okay, for over 200 years, the northern kingdom had 19 kings and all of them were evil. 
Now think about that. 19 kings over 200 years, every single one of them were wicked. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Can you imagine dating 19 girls and they're all wicked? Like you, you, you dated in your life like 19 boyfriends, but they're all evil, like abusive evil. Can you imagine what that can do to you? If you look at the previous chapter, chapter 16, one murderer gives way to another murderer, one assassin killing another assassin, one mass murderer killing of the whole household of another mass murderer. It's ridiculous. And here comes the infamous king Ahab, right? Despite all the bloodshed and the idolatry and wickedness of these previous kings, the writer of the book of 1 Kings still says the Amri acted more evil than all who were before him. And then came his son, Ahab. And Ahab surpasses all of the kings before him. In fact, the Bible says, Ahab, the son of Amri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of these before him. So you got to look at this 19 series of terrible and wicked kings, and then comes this terrible king named King Amri, and then he had a son who did more evil than anybody. There he is, King Ahab. So that's what we're dealing with. And this is why God said, I got to do something. Okay? Can you imagine what this did to the people of Israel for 200 years? So God says, no more. I got to find somebody to do something about this. the thing is, to make the matters worse, this evil king, Ahab, marries Jezebel. I know. <laughs> Even the name, like when, you, when I say Jezebel, it sounds so evil. Is there any Jezebel here today? <laughs> Nobody, right? I know, Jezebel sounds so evil. Jezebel brought Baal worship to Israel. All of this is actually recorded in 1 Kings chapter 16. Baal worship, which originated with the Canaanites, had long existed in the area of, that, um, of the world. Baal worship, um, Baal was worshipped as the god of rain and fertility. Did you hear that? He was a god of what? Rain. So when Elijah said, no more rain, what was he saying? Let's see if who's the real God, my God or your Baal. That's what Elijah was doing. Okay? Baal, they thought, controlled the seasons, the crops, and the land. If you become rich, it's because of Baal. If you do well, if you have success, it's from Baal. So if we actually, if success and money, if they become our idols, we become Baal worshippers. 
And Baal worship brought its heathen practices and barbaric sacrifices. It just caused horrible things in the land of Israel. Some of the things I can't even talk about here from, from the pulpit. It's terrible things happened. It seems that every time, this is kind of interesting. Did you notice that every time we talk about Baal in the Bible, there's another idol that comes out? What's the name of that idol? Asherah, right? Why does Asherah and Baal always come together? It's because um, you see the, in the ancient mythology of idolatry, um, Asherah is Baal's mommy. That's why they always go hand in hand together. So that's the background of the call of Elijah. Now you understand the significance of God calling out Elijah for a very special mission. By the way, does anyone know what Elijah means, the name Elijah? Well, in the Bible, El means what? Elohim, the Lord, right? And um, Yah, it's actually Eliyah, but Yah or Jah means what? It's from Jehovah or Jehovah, Jehovah, you know, so it, so it means, the, so Elohim, El means the Lord, and Jah means God, and I, little I in the middle, it means my, it's a, it's a personal pronoun, okay? So Elijah means my God is Jehovah, or the Lord is my God. Let's look at verse 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth ravine east of the Jordan. You'll drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. God brings Elijah to a place called Kareth Ravine. It's funny because the first thing he was to do was to hide. This audaciously courageous, courageous man who went up to a psycho, psychopath king is now instructed to hide. And there God feeds him, and the way he feeds him is really interesting, right? He uses what to feed him? Ravens. Just in case you don't know, ravens are birds, okay? They're like real birds. Can you imagine being fed by birds? Personally, I wouldn't touch anything that birds drop. You know what I mean? And God was so like, specific about it, not just carbs, bread, but also protein, meat too. Of course, veggie meat, I'm sure. Right? The Bible says God directed ravens to supply food. 
What do you think happened in Kareth Ravine? I bet Elijah communed with God each and every day. I'm certain that God told Elijah all the wonders that he will do through Elijah. This probably was a preparation time for the great things that Elijah will do. But that didn't last long. You know what happened? You know, it's so funny this happened because this happens to all of us. Look at this, verse 7. Sometime later, so God brings Elijah to this Kareth ravine and he's giving, giving food, uh, feeding him by the ravens and he has this water from the brook and it says, verse 7, sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. As the whole country had no rain, the brook dried up. One day, Elijah noticed that the brook wasn't gushing over the rocks or, or bubbling as freely as it had before. He's like, what? What's going on? He probably checked and, and prayed like, God, um, over and over, God, um, um, the, the, the water is kind of dwindling. Water, please. Over the next few days, the flow of the water totally dwindled, shrank, and eventually dried up. You know, I was looking at this story, I was like, why did God let that happen? Surely, God who provided water for three million Israelites in the desert from just a little rock can definitely provide water for Elijah, one person. Right? Where is God's provision now? It's so easy to thank God as long as um, the ravens continue to feed me and I have the brook to drink from. You know what I'm saying? Right? But when you run out of water, you begin to wonder if God really cares for you, if God really provides. I I find this really funny because think about this. You're still eating meat and bread from the ravens, but when the water runs out, you're like, God, do you care for me? You know what I mean? I'm not saying that's what Elijah did, but I can totally picture myself doing that. God is still feeding you using these ravens, but you still question God's provision when you are thirsty. It's like when you're sick, you pray to God for health, and God answers your prayers, then you realize that your business is not doing as well as you want it to, and you're like, God, do you care about me? A lot of pastors feel that way. God, you called me into ministry. Why am I struggling? God blesses you with good health, good job, good family, but you have some inconvenience somewhere in your life or or some issues with some people, and we're like, God, where are you? God blesses you so much. 
But God, where's my husband? I'm thankful for all the things you've done for me. You know, I got into Loma Linda and I'm doing really well and everything. But where's my husband? We say all these things with our mouth full with the food that God gave through ravens. Think of all the blessings that we have. Let me focus on the things that we're missing. I don't know about you, but I do that a lot. The brook dried up. But the dried up brooks in no way cancel our God's providential plan. Okay, Loma in the church, I'm going to make things a little worse, okay? There are more serious dried up brooks, though. In our lives, we deal with some serious dried up brooks. You finished your education in Loma Linda and you stepped into a promising profession, but why is that you're not exploding financially like my other friends? Everyone seems to be doing well. Everyone seems to be successful, but I'm still struggling. Your brook has dried up. Your friends were innocent and you had, this is for the youth, all the young people here. Your friends were innocent and you had a lot of fun with them growing up together. Now, now they are doing things that you disagree with. They don't invite you anymore. You, you grow distant from them. All of a sudden, because of your beliefs and your morals, you are standing alone. And you feel lonely. Your brook has dried up. Or how about this? I'm just so busy with my life. I'm just so busy. I feel exhausted all the time. Your brook has dried up. Let me get more serious. Your spouse in life has grown cold in your marriage. Your spouse in life has grown indifferent in faith. You don't know what to do with it. Your brook has dried up. I have had my own share of dried up brooks. I felt that nobody actually cared about church. I feel that way sometimes. Nobody cared about the word of God or to learn nor hear about what I have to say. Nobody cared about small group. Nobody cared about finishing the church project. Nobody cared about church growth nor personal growth in their faith. My brook dried up. But again, Loma Linda Church, the dried up brooks in no way cancel our God's providential plan. Eliza was in a tough spot, but he trusted God. The brook had dried up, but he continued to obey God. You see, you see why he's a man of God? He was not perfect. You'll see that later in the series, okay? He was not perfect. But the dried up brook did not stop his journey with God. 
he may have felt alone, but he was not forsaken. Lord, in the church, sometimes God calls us to stand alone. Sometimes God calls us to stand alone in front of a psychopath king. Sometimes God calls us to go to Karit Ravine all alone. God called Abraham, Moses, God called Esther. They're men and women who are willing to stand alone against the strongest forces of their day. And without reluctance or embarrassment, they proclaimed the name of the Lord. And God calls modern-day Elijah. He's searching for people who will make a difference. Christians who dare not be mediocre. Christians who dare not dissolve in the culture or blend into this world. Sometimes we have to stand alone in the gap. Sometimes you have have to stand alone to show allegiance to God. Stand alone to say, I belong to Him. Amen? This may mean saying no to your friends sometimes. This may mean saying no to some parties. This may mean saying no to some business deals. This may mean saying no more to some behaviors. This also may mean saying yes to something you don't want to do. This may mean saying yes to some things you wouldn't usually do. This means going to some places where you've never been and doing something you've never done. Okay, now, this is when, this is when everyone says, well, not everyone, this is when some, some people say, well, that's really good for somebody else. You know what I mean? That sounds really good for someone else to do because definitely I am not Elijah. Are you thinking right now that somebody else should do this? Are you thinking that somebody else is better qualified than me to do a special work for God? Do you feel that I am nobody and my contribution to God's service is not noteworthy? Do you think it's about other people and not you? Listen carefully, Loma, in the church. Elijah came out of nowhere. He had no particular skills or education. You may be missing a ministry opportunity that is right there in front of you, or you may be in the middle, in the midst of a ministry and not even realizing it. The point is, God calls you, Loma Linda Church, every one of you. And he's calling us to stand alone sometimes. 
You are the modern-day Elijah, regardless of your age, gender, or occupation. If the Lord is your God, you are called. Elijah, what? The, the, the Bible said, Elijah the Tishbite. The Tishbite is where he's from. And it means nothing. Okay? Elijah Tishbite, the Tishbite, it means nothing. That's where he's from. You know what's important? What's important is not where you are from, but for whom you are sent. I want to close with one thought, okay? Just one more thought and I'm done. Let me read you um, verse 1 again. Okay, I, I read it before in um, New International Version, but I'm going to read this time in King James Version, okay? I don't really like King James Version because it sounds so foreign. It sounds like a foreign language, but here I really like this. So, verse 1 in, King, in the King James Version. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand. Just in case you didn't catch it, I'm going to read it one more time. It says, before whom I stand. Loma Linda Church, when you're standing alone for God, ultimately you are standing before God. No matter what role you fill in life, you're not unimportant when it comes to standing alone for God, remember that. When we are standing alone for God, for my beliefs, for my morals, for my standards, when we stand alone for God, ultimately we are standing before God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. For this special series we're going to do, we're going to look at this man of God, Elijah. Help us, Father, to understand that each and every one of us were called to stand alone for God. Lord, all that you've taught us, all that we have learned from our church, from the Bible, from your words, Father, help us to stand up for our beliefs. Although sometimes it may be lonely, and alone. Help us, Father, to understand that when we stand alone for God, ultimately we are standing before God. In Jesus' name, amen.